Bricking. Bricking. We're going to make it a term. Yeah, you can brick your phone. If you forget the password, you can't get it to You can brick your computer when you dump coffee onto it. It can be brick outside if it's cold. What? Say it's mad brick. Come on. No, that's not yeah. a thing. Yeah. Oh, it's mad brick out here. Yeah. Listen. Like if these bricks are slippery or something and like they're iced over quickly. I know what they're saying in the streets, okay? I know what well, they say. I think you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself right now, Sylvie. <gasps> I think you need a checkup from the neck up, Savage. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite one. Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage, and I'm joined as always by the podcast producer extraordinaire direct to your listening ears from Brooklyn. Is that where you are, Sylvie? <laughs> Yeah, it was so good up until you forgot where I lived. You I know it. where you live. Come on. <laughs> come on. That's just a joke. It's just a dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. I taught you that, huh? Taught uh-huh. you all about the pause. Yeah, that's right. That's why every time we get ready and I take a pause and the, you look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> and actually what I'm doing is I'm just, you know, I'm getting ready to get the laughs out. I'm just resetting. Yep. It's all about the pacing. It's all about it the pacing here. It is. So getting the energy right. And actually, yes. I think our guest today, Dylan, Dylan had incredible energy, right? Got it so right. Yes. So for those who don't know, because we didn't tell you Dylan's last name, uh, Dylan Morgan <laughs> is the co-founder and CEO of Unum, which is a social media manager tool that lets people design, edit, analyze, and schedulize. Schedulize? Come on. That's not a word. That's not schedulize. a word. Schedulize. You get to schedulize, schedulize all your content onto all these major platforms. It was such a delight talking to him, but I think he just he came in with just like strong energy. It's that Cali vibe. He's so chill, but like funny, turns it up. You really turns like it down, to, turns it up again. You like to compartmentalize people and you like to you, you <laughs> like to define them by what's around them and where they're from. You like to categorize the world. Do you say that's true, Sylvie? <laughs> Categorize the world, eh? Eh? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> See? Really now you're channeling someone from Canada I, for some reason. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I don't know if I understand your question, but what I will say is I, I pick up on people's idiosyncrasies, and a lot of idiosyncrasies come from where people are from. You are from Providence. And so how do you think that defines me? What, what words do I use that let you know that? You're just corrupt politically. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That's on the nose. That's some Providence stuff right there. You actually, well, you don't say a lot of like the, the traditional stereotypical Rhode Island. Like you're not wicked good. You don't, you don't, you don't give me any wicked goods. There's no wicked goods. There's no chowder. Chowder. Quahog. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but do you drink Dells? That's what I want to know. You know what's funny? Love Dells. Um, Dells, for those who don't know, frozen lemonade. You usually can get it like a cart on the street, and it's like, no, no, Rhode Island. Dells. There's no Dells anywhere around here. I don't know what's happening. I'm very disappointed. That's really upsetting. But other than the dearth mm-hmm. of Dells in Providence. What has he talking too loud? Well, you know, uh, this last week was my birthday. Happy belated. Thank you. I had a very fun time with some friends and family and had multiple dairy-free cakes at different points during the week. Turns out, if you eat a giant slice of cake 
at 9.45 at night, let me tell you, it's hard to go to sleep. <laughs> sugar high? Just like straight sugar Just high? legit sugar high. Hasn't happened a long Wait, time. when you say giant, how big is that slice of cake? Uh, this was a four-layer cake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was like uh, buttercream style with like fruit on it. Damn. I would say that the cake itself probably weighed 25 pounds. What the? It was enormous. Did you snap any photos of the cake? I don't have a good one. They're too blurry. There's nothing that I would share on social media. Uh-uh. I definitely wouldn't need to publish and schedule the sharing <laughs> of my vegan cake to all of my different social streams. Um but if I did, you know who I would call? Dylan Morgan, our guest Dylan today. Morgan. Dylan yes, Morgan. For his insights on how best to get my cake going viral. So I think it's time to cut to that interview with Dylan. Well, Dylan, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to meet you. We're excited you're here today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Chris. Big fan of you guys. Love Wistia, so it's pretty stoked. Oh, that's so yeah. kind. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, we're very excited about what you're doing, and we're going to get into Unum, and we're going to get into a lot of stuff, but this show is called Talking Too Loud, and it's called Talking Too Loud because when I get excited, I cannot control the volume of my voice. <laughs> I talk way too loud. I've always been told I talk too loud. People on the street are like, that guy's talking too loud. Like, that is how I am, <laughs> and we want to know, like, maybe you don't talk too loud, but you get excited in some way. Like, what's your equivalent right now? What's getting you talking too loud today? I talk really fast. So you'll talk probably fast. have to, okay. yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll talk really fast and I'll, I'll go on a lot of like creative tangents. I like comparing things too. So <laughs> yeah, if I get pretty stoked, I'll, I'll just start talking pretty fast. So what's got you talking too fast right now? What's, what's got you going at full speed? A lot of things, you know, life, uh, love, um, <laughs> no, but, but I guess in, in terms of, in terms of kind of what we're doing, we're pretty stoked about, um, uh, where we see like social media, where we see kind of this next wave. I mean, Mark was talking about the metaverse and so kind of what does that entail? And so I just think there's these huge tectonic shifts of everyone understanding all the different ways of how you build a brand in visual and audio and copy and text and digital tokens and things like that. And so um, how do you manage all that and how do you do that at scale and, and personalize that is is just something that's a pretty creative challenge right now. And so. Um, talking very fast with the team on it right now and uh, probably talking too loud too. Okay. So you're talking about the metaverse right now. You're talking about the metaverse and its role in like building brands. Yeah, that and then just like how all these different media formats are, are coming out and rolling out. And it's just like, how does somebody associate? Um, here's the tangent part. There was a study on MasterCard that was talking about audio and how they're doing like sound with their cards now and how they're really trying to unify the brand of MasterCard. So you hear this certain tune or sound you always associate with MasterCard. I just thought it was really fascinating. Um, but it's that Wait, same. Wait, what? That's a real thing? Yeah, I think they filed a patent. Uh, this I'm not 100% certain on, but I, I think there was a report that they did recently on audio and associating that with their brand and um, like the, the most classic example, I think they did it pretty successfully was Home Depot. You know, how like that, dun, 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 you know, and then everyone always <laughs> knows it's like the Home Depot yeah. sound. So well, it's like the Netflix yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. At yeah. the beginning. Dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. actually have one that we just did for Wistia that's going to be at the beginning of Wistia videos. And it literally just came out today, the first time that um, we what? used it. Yeah. Did I know that? No. <laughs> no. But it's, but it's, but Did and, I know that? I didn't yeah, know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, we have a show called Gear Squad versus Dr. Boring, which is all about production equipment that comes to life at night. It's all animated, <laughs> of course. 
And they're trying to like make videos like fun and engaging and Dr. Boring is trying to stop them. Anyway, we just released the show and it started with that and people were responding to it on Twitter being like, well, I've never seen that before. Uh, but the goal is to create that association. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to do. And I think uh, oftentimes it goes o- overlooked. And then we we touched on the metaverse, which actually I was going to ask you about later. Um, <laughs> but can you for people who don't know what it is, can you give like a quick overview of what what is the metaverse? To be honest, I don't even know if Mark really knows what it is fully, but um, I, I think it's just going to change so much for so many reasons. But how we see it, at least, is this augmented virtual reality, um, you know, where it's like kind of your identity across all these different platforms. And it's not really tied to a particular app service tool. Your kind of digital self is everywhere and in, in all things. And so it's a pretty grand idea and vision. And if you think Elon Musk is going to take us to Mars too, it's like, if we're going to multi-planetary, then we might need to have kind of that metaverse to play into it, you know, to be active everywhere. And so at least that's our understanding of it. And it's just, yeah. And then when you're talking about Mark, which Mark are you talking about? The Zuck. (laughs) Okay. Cause I know him by Zuck. (laughs) Zuck. So I I thought we were talking, I thought you're talking about Zuck, but I wanted to be sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who? I'm just curious. Who's the other Mark you were considering there? Me? Uh, yeah, Marky what? Mark. Oh, Marky yeah. Mark. Of course, that would be the other Mark. <laughs> That's a fair Mark to throw out. Yeah. That's a fair Mark to throw out. <laughs> but yeah, like the idea of the metaverse, right? Is like my understanding is like when you hear Web three, this is what people are talking about. Is like in a game today, like if you're playing Fortnite, you can get cosmetics, yep. which like change what your character looks like, and you like earn them over time. In the metaverse, it's like it's actually back to like NFTs and stuff like that. You own digital items. And you bring them to different worlds and they understand what those worlds are. So as you collect music and clothing and, you know, avatars and all this stuff, you bring it with you. And it's it's cool that you're already thinking about this because like I'm also thinking a lot about it. And it is like it is complicated and weird and exciting and new. This whole like flipping it upside down from from Web 2 to Web 3. Yeah, I think and especially with like the hardware advances and things like that, too. So it's just in the next five, 10 years, it's just going to be a, a huge change and kind of shift. And I think um, hopefully our, everyone's kind of ready for it. But um, yeah, it's going to be weird. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, would you describe yourself as a techno optimist? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I would. I definitely am a firm believer of tech enabled too. So I, I do think a human touch is important at all components, even by department. Like I always think everyone should have some sort of customer service care team on mm-hmm. their side. But um, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm always thinking about tech solutions and, and scale. And I think I know some people are like hugely anti and, and they flip on the other side. Uh, where, where would you say you fall under? I'm definitely a techno optimist for sure. I see a thing like that when you talk about going to space and I'm like, I mean, so we actually talked about this at the podcast at some point, but I'm like, oh, well, what if we can take polluting things and put them up? That's in what space I was thinking not- too. Yeah. I was, yeah. 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 I was yeah. like, it makes so much sense. Just take, you know, all the waste management, like just add that to the next uh, 10 year plan here and just uh, yeah. <laughs> make it a subscription model, right? Like everyone's going to want to do that. Just- <laughs> well, it's interesting because I feel like the world is like, divided more and more in one way of dividing things is looking at things are like, are you a techno optimist? Do you believe and look at the positive things that can come with technology? Or are you what's a techno pessimist like that you you look at like, oh, what are all the bad things that can happen? And I feel like the space that you are in is like, right in this space, right? Like, yeah, Unum is, is a company that helps people manage their their brands on social media. So you are playing with the thing that people either like love or hate. Yes. Um, yeah. How is that running this business? 
in the midst of this kind of like huge debate that's going on? Yeah. I mean, I think even just the recent things with the Facebook allergies and then obviously the Zuck and, and Facebook as a whole are pretty under fire recently too. So it goes through waves. Um, I, I think, you know, from one end, this is kind of where maybe Unum benefits from. So a big piece of how we kind of pitch it is, let's just say you went in, closed your eyes, totally blindfolded, walked in a closet, and then just picked out anything that you could kind of feel and touch, and then just walked out to the world, like to a really important meeting. Mm-hmm. Chances are, you're not going to know what worked, what didn't, it, you know, you went in blind. And I think so many people kind of go into social media that way. And it usually can circle back and, and kind of bite them negatively. And, and that's where it's like, if you're doing something in the moment as an emotional tweet, or as just kind of a post, and you're not really seeing yourself and your brand or your goals evolve over time, like you're going to run the risk of like problems. Right. And so where we see Unum is you have the safe space. Social is so important. It's the number one place of focus for so many brands. Now it's where most people start. And so you really do need a safe space from the noise to come up with a creative strategy and be really confident in your creative and your direction and, and your brand before you end up sharing it. And then you have the other issues of like dealing with, you know, the different media formats and, and kind of the, the changes of the platform. So I think we benefit in that side. Um, you know, on the flip side, you know, the things that we probably are at odds with too, when people are really anti-social is it is designed in a way to drive more content and more consumption so that more ads and, and everything could get served to you. And so I, I think there is more of a benefit that needs to be applied as like a, a general blanket across that where, you know, it should still be if it's ads and if it's certain content and things like that, they should always have some sort of positive motive and, or at least some positive ROI where the user can at least receive something that benefits them offline. Um, you know, I, I am a believer of striking that balance because on one end we benefit, like if they're sharing more, posting more, like they will be creating their brand more consistently in Unum. But, you know, we also want them to enjoy life and go out, you know, vacation, like do whatever. So it's, it's tough. And I think not, not everybody knows what Unum is, but also how you started. Can you bring us back? How did the business start? And how did you get to a place where you're thinking about these things and you're referring to Mark Zuckerberg (laughs) by his first name? (laughs) Sorry. I don't know why it made me laugh so. You know, when everyone goes Z, you know, you got to go M. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can definitely go way, way back. But, you know, I think a lot of people, if you're, you're kind of bit with the entrepreneurial bug or, or whether you realize it or not, you know, it kind of starts early. But um, I would say the biggest shift towards Unum started in high school. I used to skateboard and my sister, um, if anyone's familiar with like tech decks or fingerboards, she used to do that and um, wait fingerboards like like small like skateboards thi- you use yeah exactly. would use her through fingers like on a yeah. desk yes and she yeah. was she good at it yeah she was actually really good at it and really she, she was she was really good and then ended up buying a really expensive one overseas for like the same okay. price that you'd get a normal skateboard for wow and I couldn't believe it like at the time there was no manufacturer in the U S. And, you know, obviously I, I, I was skateboarding. So I was like, oh, cool. You know, so my first office was my parents' garage and I made miniature skateboards, uh, like full on five ply wood veneers, like mm. ball bearings, everything like really, really legit. Top of the top. Is that what it sounds top, like? Top, top, top of, of the top. top. The yeah. Ferraris. of uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then that was an e-commerce business. So it kind of really started the, the beginnings of you know, selling product internationally. I mean, we had a couple of distributors in China and the Philippines, and 
it was really cool. How old were you when you started this? Uh, I was started at 16. Okay. Um, and then, you know, took that through high school. Um, yeah, I paid for my car. It was awesome. Awesome. First kind of win. And how, how can you say how big that got? Yeah. I mean, look, the fingerboard industry, is it as big as the MarTech industry or no, <laughs> but you know, um, it, it's niche <laughs> enough. I think, yeah, we were doing over a hundred thousand sales. So at the time Damn. it was not bad. Um, that's a lot of fingerboards though, right? It was a lot of fingerboards. Yeah. I actually low key, the holidays were, were pretty brutal. Everyone's like, oh man, I can't <laughs> wait for the breaks. And I remember like, oh my God. You know, I have just tons of orders I had to do. I got to go make a ton of miniature skateboards right now. With <laughs> the best brutal. ball bearings money can buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it it, uh, it humbled you. And I think for sure that was the the kick for the e-commerce side. And then in college, um, when I was at USC, Jarrett and I got together. He's uh, my co-founder and CTO Unum. And we were really looking at like social media. This was kind of yik yak and social networks were all the rage at the time and kind of building community. and so. There's no location-based platform that we thought did it right. And we created technology where you didn't need cell service, Wi-Fi, or internet to communicate. So any crowded football game in an airplane, you could communicate with whoever you wanted. So it was really cool technology. Yeah. What was that? Using Bluetooth or something? It was Bluetooth mesh networking. And then actually, this is a funny story. Um, another tangent. So like when you have the cell service, obviously it's really easy to identify the phone and the number, but when you're offline, it's really hard to do that. And let alone trying to share the same message to a group of people offline is, is really, really difficult. So Jared actually uh, got a lab coat, snuck into a couple of neuroscience classes at USC, and then, you know, basically use that same kind of process to create the mesh networking, which we can do offline group mesh networking. So what? look at that. You know, who thought like uh, auditing a class would be so valuable? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to all the doctors listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> huge doctor contingent. It's the biggest community. Watch us blow up yeah. from this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> doctor communities love us. Yeah. Um, and so that is where the full software mobile solution set, kind of that passion came. And then, you know, trying to tell our story and hiring creative agencies at that budget was not something that we were ready for. And we were kind of looking like an own internal tool to help us. We, we knew the direction, we knew the audience, we kind of had a long-term goal idea, but we just really wanted a suite of tools to help us do it better. Um, and so that's kind of where Unum came about to solve our own problem and then ended up, you know, being the case for a lot of creators and businesses that were, you know, leaning in pretty heavily on Instagram at the time, but social media in general. And then how have you differentiated um, yeah, you know, there's there's been a lot of different players in this space, a lot that I know that have like focused on different, you know, size business industry and stuff over time. And obviously, everyone needs to get their message out into the world. So there's also enormous amount of demand. But yeah. for you all, how have you differentiated in this space? Yeah, so I, I think I classify it a little bit in phases. So I think we're in like phase two right now. But you know, phase zero to one for us is we focus on kind of the the underserved market. I mean, most tools and solutions were serving like the medium business, large business enterprise agency market. And then creators and influencers really were, I mean, our, our hedge bet was that creators are becoming businesses and businesses are becoming creators. We were pretty spot on on that. Um, and so everything we did was mobile first, very visual, really digestible and not over bloated from a technology tool set workflow. And then uh, a lot of word of mouth marketing came from that. So kind of fast forward, we have, you know, over 16 million signups in over 190 countries. So a lot of the big brands and big celebrities we've helped at some capacity. 
Um, so pretty cool milestones that way. And now we're differentiating by trying to solve, um, you know, the brand identity problem, like how to build a brand outside of just kind of tips and tricks and, and like how to really set the foundation of what it takes to build a strong brand that's identifiable. And then when you're helping a creator think about how to build a strong brand, mm -hmm. um, what are the pieces that you think need to go into that? How should they think about it? Yeah. So we've had this conversation so many times now it's, you know, I want a million followers or I, I want a bunch of likes and a bunch of comments. And then I always, or any of us ask the same question back. It's like, okay, if you wanted, you know, a million followers, but they had a million follower doctors, you know, that wanted to learn everything about this, probably not the right audience, you know, or it would be great to have kind of the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people that are, that are, you know, to a T um, the right audience. And so it's really easy to follow shiny objects on social. I mean, it's designed many ways that way. And so yeah. how do you look at your brand from the bottoms up approach and kind of work back from that and then look at your pillars of content that you're a specialist in, or that you can stand out from the rest, you know, your posting patterns that make the most sense. And then kind of all, all of the other elements that takes to come up with great creative, great copy, great strategy. And do you think it's the same thing for a creator as it is for a business? Like, is it the same principles or should larger businesses think differently about um, how they build their brand and how they tell stories? Yeah, I would say probably right off the bat, it depends a little bit on industry first. Um, you know, if you're a B2B and you're not necessarily a B2C or have a consumer-based product, then it makes more sense to start off first building out your employee community, talking about your, your mission, your value statements, talk about the case studies. Because you're not going to get the followers that a, a successful D2C or brand are going to have. So I would say just to start, that's where mm -hmm. the value proposition would lie to let people really believe in the mission and solution that you're solving. And then I would say the same thing kind of a little bit to certain types of creators in, in certain industries too. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, businesses, you can be a little bit more sales oriented. Creators, you have to be a bit more storytelling oriented and more involved or are kind of more transparent with certain yep. partnerships because I think it could rub their followers off more easily than a brand would. So yep. there's just some elements of nuance that they would need to adapt. Cool. When you look at social media today, you know, I think the most shared posts on Facebook, like a lot of them are, they're pretty wild. They're, they're, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> highly politicized, um, highly controversial. And it seems like what the platforms are optimizing for has shifted, right? From like showing you things that you love, maybe, yeah, or showing things that inspire you. And I'm talking more about Facebook, sorry, Zach, um, than I am really <laughs> about like Instagram. But like, they seem to be more optimized for enraging people. Yeah, we're talking about the techno pessimist side now, but like, totally, totally. How should we as brands engage our audience in a world which now optimizes for enragement? I would say like all things, I think Facebook's at a stage where they're probably going to need to have a, a proper um, correction just because the negative focus and efforts aren't helpful long-term to anyone. And so it kind of goes back to know your niche for, for the particular brand and creator, because I would say specifically within the Facebook platform itself, gone are the days where you can kind of come up with a great creative post and then have that all of a sudden just, you know, maximize across the entire Facebook network. And so, yeah. you know, having 
a very specialized community, you're going to notice those effects less and less. And so it's just find the particular creators or the community or the niche and, and even start by location and kind of create those hubs first. And so kind of avoid the noise by just double downing on, on a very, very niche content pillar you can own. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's the same thing we say here is like, that is the whole key is the internet has connected us all. Yeah. And the bad side is you see this stuff that was like, you know, couldn't be seen before, which is yeah. like really negative and polarizing. But the good side is if you're really into something hyper specific, you can find, you know, a million people who are into yes. it as well. Yeah. And that that's kind of the key is just getting so crazy focused on the niche. And if you do that, you're right. I think you can avoid the negativity. It's kind of the same thing a little bit, like even before social, where you would walk in the grocery store and you'd see like the People magazine and it'd be all this gossip or it's just, oh, are yeah. they going to get a divorce? And you're like, yeah, because the majority of people that would trigger them, you know? And so I think you yeah. just, everyone's trying to still shoot for that volume of traffic, but you just have to yeah. be honest with yourself. That's probably just not going to happen. You got to build the, the pillars first. You definitely just dated yourself, but yes. I know, the, I know. Yeah, pre-social in the, in <laughs> the grocery Gen store. Those are going to cancel me. Oh boy. <laughs> like, what, what was this guy doing? Is this guy 100? Is this guy 200 years old? <laughs> I made that but, story up. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's the I best. saw it on a TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I saw it on a I'm, TikTok. I'm, I'm 12 years old. Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that, though. When you were saying that, I was thinking about the National Enquirer. And I was thinking about stuff that's just the most salacious, craziest stuff ever, which would get people talking and would get For them sure. to pay yeah. attention. That moment you're like trying to buy groceries and there's like, oh, this person's actually an alien being. I was like, well, I mean, I don't really think that's true, but like, maybe I should check it out really quick. I, mean, like, I, I don't want to be wrong, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> we're going off Somehow the rails. Somehow we're off the rails. We're off the rails. We're off the rails. Off that's, the rails. that's all good. That's all good. We'll um, bring it back. <laughs> we'll bring it back. So- when you look at your platform and you have so many people using it, have you seen examples that, and you must have seen examples of just like absolutely massive, unreal scale? Like, can you tell us about some of those where someone came on the platform and then suddenly, you know, billions of people are seeing the messages they put out in the world? Um, well, I think one, one particular creator and influencer, uh, so Kylie Jenner, I mean, it was pretty cool when, when she was, um, you know, using Unum to build her brand, but like, yeah, I mean, obviously to see when somebody who has hundreds of millions of followers just makes one post, they'll get millions and millions of, of likes and engagements overnight. And so to see that kind of level of, of, uh, adoption and feedback and scale of message is wild. Um, and then on the other side of things too, like one's not coming to mind in terms of just overnight success that mm -hmm. I, I can think of right now, but like some of the, the cool stories that have been shared because of Unum as, as the tool to kind of get them from point A to B is, you know, somebody that has started out with zero, basically zero followers or a couple hundred followers, right. Friends and family, um, and has grown to like 50,000 followers. Um, that, that was really cool just because they were really swinging home their message. They were in like the fashion direct consumer side of things. And so they had a really beautiful aesthetic and, and just kind of funky, you know, eighties vibe of like the, the style of their, their fashion, um, but made it work. And then she did a really good job of kind of putting herself front and, and center. And, um, that was probably one of the coolest things to experience because she was using Unum for so many years. Yeah. It's amazing to see your product really change, change things for someone, isn't it? Okay. So, so my girlfriend and I, when we would like go around this, I don't know, just like just around, I guess, get coffee or whatever, whatever, you know, just walk around, you just enjoy life. Um, and then I'd be wearing the Unum hat 
I mean, people would just flip out and it was pretty cool to see. They just love, love Unum, love, love the tool set. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, they're building themselves in it, you know? So there's that kind mm-hmm. of emotional attachment to, to the product. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm just, and she's like, are you some, it was kind of earlier on when we were dating too. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, you know, Hey, <laughs> did she think you were like, did she think you were a low key celebrity? Like, I was like, you know, babe, the people have spoken, but <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wow. <laughs> I do remember that the first time that happened to me as well was like at a conference and I was just talking to people. This is like relatively early days. And someone came up to me and they go, I'm wearing a Wistia shirt. Like, you work at Wistia? I'm like, yeah. They're like, are you Chris Wistia? I was like, yeah. They're like, can I give you a hug? And I was like, what? And they gave me a hug and they're like, I've learned so much from you guys. Like, it's really changed how I think about, you know, using video in my business or whatever. And it's like such a cool moment. But I I actually think about that as like, especially, you know, everything we do is online and it's Mm -hmm. so disconnected. It's hard to, sometimes, you know, you said some pretty big numbers at the beginning, and it's it's hard to remember those are all people. Those are yeah. all human yeah. beings and living their lives and like trying to advance their careers or grow their audience or whatever. Um, and it is really cool when you have those moments, right? When you're like, wow, this actually is impacting what someone is doing day to day. Yeah. And it and it hits harder too when you know there's bugs because you're like, damn, I you know, you Yeah. And and all the features that you want to introduce too. You're like, just just wait. I mean, what what's from Wistia's side in maybe the last couple of months, like what what has been either a moment or a feature that you've been really excited about or something that's maybe been long awaited from from the customers? Yeah, there is a lot. You know, we've been around for a long time and you never raised venture capital and kind of did it the old school way. Um, And we were just early in our market. And, you know, when we really first started getting traction, we were probably, I mean, you've been, how long have you been doing this? Six years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. We were about six years in, five, six years when things just really start to change. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, all these businesses are using video. They want to do this. They want to learn. It's really exciting. And bizarrely, because of COVID, I feel like I'm having that same moment again, where the market has gotten so big and it feels really early stage again. Mm-hmm. And what our customers are asking us to do is a lot more different stuff than what we've been doing. I'll helping with a lot of other things with video than what we've been doing. Um, and so I unfortunately can't go too in depth yeah, totally, on like what totally, that is. Yeah. But like, I'll give you an example. The series we are launching, Gear Squad versus Dr. Boring, is something that's like, I'm so proud of and so excited about. And like, you know, we've gotten questions forever from people. You know, I want to do this. Like, I want to make interesting content. I want to have fun with my videos, but like my business is boring. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? You know, because a lot of our customers are B2B. It's like, well, what do you do if your business is boring? Mm -hmm. The answer is like, every business is boring without a brand, without a story. 100%. And if you can figure out how to, how to build a brand, you can figure out how to tell the story. That is what makes it not boring. And if yeah. it's like back to what you're saying, like meeting those people who are so pumped because it's changing their career, that's not boring. Yeah. And I think we just forget. It's easy to forget the impact you can have on somebody, even in the B2B world, can be so huge. And so for us, this this like piece of content, um, I mean, it's an animated show that is done by like actual professional animators that make other things. Like I was watching the first episode this morning with my kids. They could not stop watching. They were like singing along. It was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. And Get them while so they're cool. early, you know? <laughs> exactly. But it, the, the whole idea just being like, you don't have to have a boring business. You can yeah. make it interesting. You can make it compelling. You can fight your boring. Um, so that's what I'm like super pumped on right now. But yeah, there's lots of lots of product stuff I, I want to do um, that I can't talk about. But I want to go back <laughs> to you and I w- want to go back to how you think about, you know, this space is changing a lot. And we started by talking about the metaverse. 
Um, but how should brands think about navigating all this change? Like, should they be making NFTs right now? What should they be doing? And what's your role in that? Yeah. So, I mean, for NFTs, we we don't obviously touch much of that space, but um, you know, I I think that's really early on, and it's it's definitely in the early adopter space, and so it would feel kind of foreign to a lot of people if your brand or your follower base is maybe you know not necessarily so early adopter focused, um, where you might feel out of touch from them. Um, but if your brand kind of pushes you know boundaries in marketing, then that's a great avenue to kind of lead in on. Like the other brand that comes to mind, just Balenciaga, where they partnered with Simpsons. And it's like, that was a really forward thinking way to build their fashion, make a statement with such an iconic show. And so certain brands could totally pull stuff off like that. For most brands, I would say, you know, just adapting a new style of media format is already challenging enough. And it makes sense because even at the big scale of Instagram, you know, they're still running very much like a startup where they had IGTV and then now all of a sudden they're pulling back IGTV and now it's just Instagram video. And they also said, you know, use Instagram video, which was IGTV to post, you know, great long form content and then use reels to post entertaining content, video content. Really, they should just be the same thing and just video options give the users just more engagement along with photo options. And it's just Instagram's platform. And they're trying to like break down the the different kind of components, obviously to compete with TikTok, but that's a whole nother story. And so, you know, I just think in that shift alone, that's already disrupted so many thousand small businesses that were kind of just getting an understanding of what IGTV is. And now they all of a sudden they have to pivot, understand, and then adapt reels, and then also try to figure out, you know, what was lost, what's not. And so there's, there's these kind of huge shifts too in the platform. And so I think at first, you know, having a strong, solid base of your brand, at least the core fundamentals, and then having a consistent mindset and not necessarily following all the shiny object syndrome for most brands is going to pay better dividends in the long run and just being more comfortable with kind of those new features and adoptions that these platforms throw out um, until they can start pushing and being more aggressive in, in the others. But I think they got to get their kind of systems in place. Yeah, that's a great point that like even those changes in Instagram, which might seem small to many of us are actually huge. Yeah, for if sure. If you're starting out, that is super confusing. Yeah. My last point on that is when when Facebook and Instagram were out for a day and their domain was for sale, um, you know, <laughs> that I think just further iterated the fact that like every every creator, every brand should definitely have a home base of maybe the platform they're most comfortable with, but they should very much have elements of their brand across all the different social suites and, you know, other formats too, like email, website, all of those yeah, things components. you can actually control an owned audience. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or if you're rented, you know, don't like double down on one Airbnb rental, you know, have a lot like kind of just, yeah. yeah. So, um, what do you think is going to happen? You know, let's say in the next like two, three years with TikTok and Instagram and you know, really Twitch, like, where do you think things are going to settle out? Do you think they're just going to end up being different audiences on each that you need to decide if you engage with? Do you think that some are going to get a lot bigger? Do you think that anyone's in trouble? How do you think about the space overall? I think personally, um, and where we stand on it, there's not going to be one platform that rules them all. There's obviously going to be bigger winners in certain areas, but um, there's going to be one where some audience like millennials, typically their home base is Instagram, you know, Gen Z's typically now majority on Snapchat and TikTok in terms of like public. But obviously these platforms are going to continue to introduce features to cannibalize the rest and kind of own them and for that win. But 
Um, in terms of just a small business or a creator that's on those platforms, you know, I would be confident knowing that that's not ever going to be the case, but the different audiences are going to expect slightly different things in different moments. And so like TikTok, you know, traditionally you can't before on Instagram, if you were in you know class when it was in person back in the day, um, <laughs> you know, you could, you could scroll on Instagram and not necessarily get caught, but TikTok, it's very, very hard to do that because it's audio first with visual and a full screen. So it's entertainment based. And so TikTok's a performance-based video platform that is backtracking into becoming more social network oriented, you know, and then Instagram, I think was more of a hybrid of those platforms um, where it was predominantly a hybrid of public and private kind of content and just, you know, growing your brand into an, you know, aspirational brand or, or a thought leader. Um, but it had elements of the success because you can kind of scale infinitely if you had a public account. And so now it's trying to become and add more entertainment based content in its platform and adapt, you know, to the likes of the Netflix success, the TikTok success. And so fundamentally they set up their foundation, very, very different, all these platforms. Um, and so everyone's going to kind of weave in and out, but you're going to see like the scar tissue of where they always were. And you can't, you can't change that. And so that works to the advantage of the creator of business to just lean in on those, knowing that those are always going to have the majority of, of the community's attention. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. I think that's like a really big deal that people should take away from this. Um, your point on like, there's the scar tissue in these different platforms where they came from that they're never going to be able to get rid of. And you should know that and be like calmed by that. I think mm -hmm. a little bit in terms of like, you know, you segmented it by generation, which I think is the right way to do it. Like yeah. these generations are in different places. Like they don't feel like they need to leave often unless there's like a major problem. Um, so think about the content distribution in that way. Um, and try to match the content to the channel. I also thought talking about kids look at Instagram in class. And that TikTok is a video medium, then the yeah. audio really matters, basically stops that. You can't get away with it, like if yeah. you're a person, right? Yeah. Like it's so it's just like that's gonna dictate the form of ultimately what works there. Mm -hmm. Um, these are just super interesting takeaways. Cause I think a lot of people, especially at B2B brands, they figure out one of these channels, but the other ones they don't figure out as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's like, even on the business, like you kind of, everyone starts in what their niche and then, you know, evolve other solution sets too. And so they're always going to be stronger in one area, but yeah, that's the takeaway. It's like, you can be effective across all platforms, but yeah, you're just going to be more comfortable in one because that's where you started in like genera, genera, generationally. Um, <laughs> there we go. It's also the mindset too. So like, you don't have to traditionally be a millennial, but maybe a Gen Z has that kind of millennial mindset. I think it's the mindset shift too, that you can kind of categorize on, on top of, you know, just by sector age and things like that. And also it's like, everyone's complaining, you know, TikTok has a billion users. Yeah. Instagram has a billion users. Yeah, they're all big enough to build. They're so big enough yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> to be fine. And, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to interject a joke there about um, one generation pretending. Scar tissue? Yeah. Oh, well, it's just there's a lot of potential. <laughs> Red hot chili peppers? I'm like, I have been sitting on you the chili your, peppers okay. joke. So go ahead. Go ahead with your joke, Sylvie. I mean, that was it. That was <laughs> chili peppers, joke. everyone. Um, that's the Red Hot that Chili joke. Peppers. That joke is Red Hot. Yeah. That's all oh I'm going to say. Oh, 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 that was for the millennials right there. <laughs> was. Love it. Um, Dylan, it was really great having you here. This is super fun. And love hearing the story about you and Unum and how you think. Do you have any fingerboards you can send us? Can we get into this? 
<laughs> you know, I, uh, I have to swing by the parental's the house. Yeah. You know, open yeah. up the garage and see what I have, but, uh, I might have, have some one. inventory. Yeah. I could use some if you have, yeah. One. how many kids, how many kids do you have? I have Chris? two. I have two. They're three and a half and six. So they're just going to be ripping it on these things. That's prime. That's yeah. prime. That's, That's prime, prime fingerboard. fingerboard age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pro in the making. <laughs> um, so where can people find you on the web? Like where can they learn more from you? Ironically, my home base, you know, maybe I'm aged a little bit here, but is Instagram. So, um, Dylan, uh, at Dylan.LA and then, um, you know, come say hi, I guess, you know? Yeah. Great. You heard that here <laughs> first listeners. You can come say hi to Dylan on Instagram. Um, we really appreciate you having on the show. Thanks for everything. And we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Sylvie. So much energy from Dylan. So much energy from Dylan. And I just, I guess when you're around Mark Zuckerberg enough, when you are really- <laughs> You get to call him Mark. You get, you get to call him Mark. And you really just realize that like, yo, the metaverse and um, all this stuff that's new with social media, like you, it's your job to stay on top of it. And I, I, I think you need a lot of energy to do that job. And uh, makes sense that Dylan's the guy. He's he's an explorer of the metaverse. But also, I think it was very interesting to talk about like the good and bad of social media, the good and bad of the algorithms. Like, how do you, how do we all engage in platforms that like we kind of can't work without or can't live without today? I, I know it's these are really big words, um, but like if you imagine no LinkedIn, if you imagine no Instagram, no TikTok, like. Yes, there's a world that existed before this, but it's so deeply intertwined into how so many of us work and socialize and get to know each other and go deep on our interests. Like, when do you embrace these things and when do you fear for them and how do you hold people accountable? It's a it's a big, messy, hard thing. And for brands, like if you're not in the social media marketing space, are you going to be able to make an impact? I guess is my question. It seems like if if your brand doesn't include some sort of social media component, like you're an outlier. Yes, I think that's true. And that's where people are spending their time. So it's part of the calculus that we have to think about. But I think, you know, we also got to another point there. It's really important, something we've actually talked a lot about at Wistia, which is you're building an audience on rented land, mm-hmm. right? And so the rules can change. And it is really important. I thought it was interesting that a guy running the social media management tool is basically saying like, hey, it's also important you build an email list. And it's also important you get traffic to your website. And those are the same things that we say because the truth is like platforms do change and the rules do change. And what's popular one day, the next day can flip over. And so it's really important to build a direct connection with your audience and with your customers so that you can transcend these trends and um, continue to be able to, you know, build an engaged community. Yeah. I mean, the Facebook outage was that message loud and clear. Like, you got to diversify your platforms, people. You got to make some podcasts, people. You got to make some podcasts. You got to take some video clips from those podcasts, use them to promote them. You got to get some emails, got some folks signed up, got a little SEO on that shizzy. (laughs) SEO. We're being facetious here. Only mildly so. <laughs> yes. But uh, it is true that I think diversifying how you build your audience and making sure that you can have a direct connection to folks and like you recognize that you're building on rented land. And I think that's like the most important thing. And so, yes, there might be great land to build on. There might be a lot of people walking by. There might be a lot of opportunity. 
but you have to do both the short-term and the long-term stuff. And that's how you build a more thoughtful plan. And that's how you build a more resilient brand. Damn, Savage. When you're on, you're on. Oh, thanks, Sylvie. Thanks so much. (laughs) Well, I won't be on for much longer because I didn't sleep enough. So I think it's time for us to put this episode to bed. Well played. Thanks to those of you who are still listening to these shenanigans. We're glad you're here. We love that you're here. So (laughs) please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have feedback, we want your feedback, we want your ideas, we want your voice memos, which you can send to ttlpod at wistia.com. Please check out Wistia. Actually, we have a ton of new content, including our first major animated series, Gear Squad vs. Dr. Boring. It's an unbelievably fun Saturday morning style cartoon about production equipment that comes to life at night and the evil Dr. Boring who tries to stop them from (laughs) putting fun into all the content they make. So it's uh, it's pretty close to home (laughs) and I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, I think that's that's all we got. So bye, everyone. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia, hosted by Chris Savage, produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.